Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 15th. We begin with a look at the extreme rainfall we've been witness to this week in the city of Calgary. We check in with Tammy Truman, owner of the Truman Insurance Agency, to explain the process of making a claim as a homeowner should you need to due to flooding. Next, we get an update on the state of COVID-19 here in the province as most remaining restrictions were lifted earlier this week by the UCP government. We catch up with Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist from the University of Calgary. It's an overnight success story, five years in the making. We had the chance to visit Calgary's Burwood Distillery to get the lowdown on how the business came to be and to sample some of their award-winning products, spirits with a sweet twist, locally grown honey. And finally, it's a popular topic featured in countless books and movies. Who hasn't seen Back to the Future? Do you believe in time travel? We speak with Peter Watson, a physics professor from Carleton University, who tries to separate fiction from fact to answer the age-old question, is time travel a real possibility? The rain has a lot of us thinking back to the floods of 2013, but before you lose any sleep over potential water damage, let's make sure you're covered. This morning, we're joined by Tammy Truman, owner of Truman Insurance, with a little insight and uh, maybe some knowledge of what you need to know around your house. Good morning, Tammy. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue and Eddie. Has it been busy, Tammy? You getting lots of uh, calls about flooding and water damage already? Yeah, not necessarily flooding, but there's a little action in basements. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> what does that mean? What do you? What do you? What's typically covered in terms of you know water damage or, or leakage into the basement and that sort of thing in your home? Well, things have changed a lot since 2013 when there wasn't a lot of coverage for overland flooding and all the damage, but now most insurers have made it available. So um, the the vast majority of water claims are now covered. Look, can you walk us through the process, Tammy? If I call my insurance agent, what is the process if I've got some concerns about perhaps water in my basement? Uh, first thing they're going to tell you is to try to mitigate any further damage um, and, if possible, to determine where it's coming in from. But if you can't do that, you probably have to call a plumber, try to determine exactly where it's coming in from, and then let the restoration begin. So if I have insurance for that, or maybe I don't feel like I have enough, can you adjust coverage even when it's raining now? Or is that something you need to do? You think, oh man, I, okay, I wasn't prepared this time around, but this is not going to get me a third time. Uh, yeah, if you called me and said, geez, I didn't take it when you offered it you know, two weeks ago, but I'd like to take it today. I'd say perhaps you need to wait till Friday. <laughs> yeah, the rush. I mean, yeah, it's no one doubt. of those cases. Let's talk about all insurance companies not being equal. Is it is it a case that the rates might be the same, but you shop around for an insurance company uh, when you have, have dealt with them and you want customer service? Is that one of the big ones in your industry? I would think. I mean, most insurance companies have to be pretty competitive. And if they're not, there is always uh, wordings that, especially when it comes to things like water, not every company would offer as comprehensive of wordings, meaning it's kind of all in. If it's absolutely possible to be covered, it could be. Some companies don't offer perhaps that broad of term, so you might find that you're not as covered for as much water as you'd like to be. 
Tammy, are there things, obviously, you know, as you said, if we don't have it right now, we're out of luck and hopefully most people do. But as we move forward, is there anything that we can do that helps maybe get us a a break on our insurance in terms of things we can do to stop flooding or water damage for the next time this happens? Well, I I think we've heard about that. I mean, there's, of course, some basic things like making sure your eaves troughs are clean and that your gutters are actually attached so that your water is draining away from your house. It's unbelievable how many people will call and say, well, I didn't have it attached, so it's running into my basement. Really? (laughs) Uh, You know, there's, there's just some basic things for sure that you can do. Just before I let you go, I've got about 30 seconds. Uh, you're an insurance guru, but people might not realize you're also a Calgary Stampeders fan, number one. Um, <laughs> I saw pictures of you online. You were at that, uh, the last home game. Uh, what do you see this year, Tammy? What's your prediction for the year? My prediction is I will be love um, attending Regina this year because Calgary Stampeders are going to be in it. Oh, yeah. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> Already predicting the Grey Cup for sure. I love it. Okay, thank you so much for your time, Tammy, and thanks for joining us. Uh, T- Truman Insurance, it might be a call that you want to make this week for sure. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Tammy Truman, owner of Truman Insurance. You can go to cooperators.ca slash Truman to get more information from Tammy. Alberta lifted the remaining COVID protocols as of precisely 11.59 last night. Can we finally close the chapter on the COVID-19 pandemic? With Insight, we are joined by Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Microbiology, that's the word, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Good morning to you, Dr. Janney. Good morning. It's been so long that we've had you on. I was flubbing up your title. It was just rolling off my tongue before. All right. Uh, So I'm wondering, you know, I know hearing from Dr. Hinshaw, uh, listening to these press conferences from AHS, they talk a lot about the case numbers and the wastewater data. Uh, From what you've seen in this data, is it enough to support the removal of the remaining protocols? Well, what we are seeing is it's trending very well in the right direction. So we've seen both the number of new cases uh, and wastewater, as well as other metrics like hospitalizations, all trending in the right direction for a number of weeks now. So this is good news. But we do have to take a step back and put those numbers in perspective. So although wastewater is down dramatically from the peak, it is still much higher than pretty much any point in 2021. So there's a lot of virus out there. You know, the difference is we are seeing people contract the virus and a smaller percentage ending up in the hospital because they have some form of immunity, either pre-exposed or vaccine-induced immunity. So this is good news. We've started to uncouple those hospitalizations from infectious cases, and that's where we need to be. The catch is, are, uh, have we uncoupled enough? And it seems every time we do lift some restrictions, numbers bounce back up, and we are moving into summer, so we would be expecting those numbers to be trailing down, and unfortunately, we will expect a bit of a bounce back in the fall. So, you know, it's good news. It's not over. We, we still have to watch those numbers, and we have to be prepared to, to make decisions if they start to trend the wrong way. Your thoughts on masking, Dr. Jenny? We've removed the mask mandate for transit, for example, but left it in for, you know, hospitals, etc. Is that a smart move or do you think, I mean, is it time to just let people make their own decision? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say it's 
time just to let people make their own decision. The, the, the problem with masking is it only offers partial protection to the person wearing the mask. The way masks uh, work is that you only get really good protection if the potentially infected person is also wearing a mask. So the messaging that, it, you know, if you feel at risk, go ahead and wear a mask, it, it will help, but it is nowhere near as effective uh, as if people around you are also wearing masks. And I think by removing those those guidelines for, for some situations, you know, not, not to say we need masking everywhere, but removing them across the board will make some people who are, are at risk, unfortunately, at greater risk. What about the protocol being lifted uh, that uh, states that isolating uh, when positive is no longer mandatory? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that this is probably the, the most curious of them all in the sense that, you know, for any infectious disease, whether it be COVID or not, if you're sick, stay home. Mm-hmm. And, and by removing that ability, you have now enabled, for example, employers to demand sick people come to work. And, you know, I think that that is problematic, that I, I don't know of many healthcare policies that simply say, if you're infected, please go to work and spread it to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that one is, a, is an interesting one. I think this has more to do with border and with people with, with uh, mandated uh, isolation lengths of time, even if they're asymptomatic. It, but it, it does create a problem for some individuals who will have to now go to work sick. Yeah, that one was a little curious, I think, for a lot of people. I wanted to ask you about this, too. Um, There's been some possible link between liver disease in kids and COVID, or do we have any insight in between? No, we we, we just, I think, unfortunately, that's about as much as we know. There's a possible link. There seems to be a link with another virus, too, and whether it's a co-infection or a sequential infection, the good news is when this is identified, most of the kids have been treatable. So good news, but this is a very serious illness. It's, again, a very, I want to stress, very, very small percentage of children. But it is something that if, if you know, there's COVID going around, COVID in a classroom, COVID on a sports team, and your child is really not feeling well, please go see a doctor at Alberta Children's. I'm also seeing quite a bit online. I'm not sure if you can myth bust this or if you are familiar with it or have seen it, Dr. Janney, and that is... You know, somebody dies mysteriously after they've had the shot six months after, and they're calling it SADS, sudden arrhythmic, uh, arrhythmic, arrhythmic. That's the word. Yeah. Uh, death syndrome, yeah. not SIDS, but SADS. Yeah. Is is this something? Is this something that is can be attributed? Yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I've been watching the the vaccine adverse reporting, and I'm not seeing a, a significant number or a, a strong enough what they would call signal of this particular condition. Um, Keeping in mind that now we have administered literally tens of billions of doses around the world. So we would expect many of these rare things to be readily identifiable at this point, um, and we have not seen it before. So, again, the question is, is there something else contributing to this picture? On that list, have we seen, you know, it still it pops up once in a while, you know, I know eight people who died from getting the COVID shot. You know, do we know sort of any trending or how many numbers at this point? Can you can you kind of rhyme those off? Yeah, I don't have the numbers at my fingertips, but if you go to the government of Canada, Canada website with regards to the COVID vaccines, they have all reported adverse events nationwide listed by severity and then by outcome. All right, now we have a handful of monkeypox cases okay. in the province. And so I'm wondering, should we be concerned about monkeypox? Is this a blip? And I think people are on edge, obviously, uh, coming out yeah. of the pandemic. 
something that, that you know, we need to be aware of, we need to be watching for. Um, but this is nothing that, that is a massive public health emergency for the, the vast majority of Albertans. So this is something that requires very close physical contact for the most part. There are some rare cases of, of airborne, but again, requires very close contact in, in enclosed spaces. Um, so this is not like a flu or not like COVID where you're going to take the train and, and catch monkeypox. Um, it seems to be circulating within a couple communities, so perhaps members of those communities should be on, on more heightened uh, you know, awareness of it, but there's not an identifiable community that's at risk. So this is not a sexually transmitted disease. Um, this can infect anybody, but it is not easily transmitted through public spaces. So this is something that, that requires close physical contact with an infected person who has visible lesions, and, and those lesions, so pox, pustules uh, are, are draining. It is such a gross thing. <laughs> it absolutely is. And I think what we forget is that this is what smallpox was before, but smallpox, depending on the outbreak, had 50 to 60% mortality in okay. some countries. So Interesting. Uh, are we seeing many flu cases pop up right now? I know, you know we were pretty clear of yeah. flu for a while because we were masking so much. Is it starting to you know come back in the norm? Yeah, they're coming back down now. We actually had a very high, very late flu season this year with flu cases into April and May. They're trending down now, but what we are seeing internationally, so the, right now we're at the entry of flu season in Australia, and they are getting absolutely hammered. So, you know, it's something we have to be aware of. Typically, Australia is, is our, uh, our uh, bellwether for what our flu season is going to look like. Lots of cases down there. If there's a good news story, it means lots of cases, means lots of information to design our flu shot for Canada for the Mm -hmm. fall. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Thanks. You've done it again. Uh, All the answers we've needed. Thanks so much, Dr. Janney. You're welcome, guys. Take care. Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist from the University of Calgary. Famous for their appearance on Dragon's Den and their award-winning honey-based spirits, Burwood Distillery, proud to announce their gold medal wins at the world's most prestigious influential spirits competitions, competing against some of the biggest names in the world of adult beverages. Mm -hmm. The overnight success, five years in the making. Yeah, Yeah. Calgary-based, like the sounds of that. And Sue and I had the chance to go on a field trip and check out Burwood Distillery. We are at Burwood Distillery. Jordan Ramey is here with me. Jordan, you wear, I know, a lot of hats here, so tell us exactly your title. Uh, my name is Dr. Jordan Ramey. I am the Chief Operations Officer and one of the co-owners here at Burwood Distillery. You've got a really interesting business going on here. They're, you know, Calgary is starting to be really well known for craft beer, but the distilleries, the craft distilleries, really sort of up and coming in this province, in this city, aren't they? I totally agree. The craft distillery game is really coming on the heels of the craft brewery game. We have some really great independent players that are coming out in the market. We're really excited just to be a part of it. So tell us what's different about Burwood then. So at Burwood Distillery here, one of our point of differentiations is that we run our own honey farm just outside the city in Chestermere here. We're able to produce a farm fresh cream style raw honey that we use in the production of a number of our different products here. You have a, a small line, but a really robust line of different things. So I'm a gin girl, so I love you've got the different gin lines. You've got, you know, a craft cocktail mix pack. You've got sort of the, the brown um, liquors. What, what's hot right now? What do you think is sort of the hottest thing out there? 
Well, right now, the gins are really hot, especially if it's a hot afternoon. It's great to make a gin and tonic. We've got a garden party lineup here of three different gins, a cool cucumber, a triple berry, and a grapefruit lemongrass. And these are probably the hottest selling gins right now for the spring and summer season. Go great with a tonic water or a soda water. And there you go. You got a gin and tonic already mixed up for you. Yeah, that's the beautiful part, right? It's not very complicated. You just need to put the mix in there and you're good to go. So what is it about Burwood that makes you that much different than the other guys? Well, I think there's a lot of folks here in the province that are really upping their game and doing some really wonderful products. I think one of the things that we're doing here is just focusing on the gins, focusing on the ready-to-drink products, on the hard sodas, and the aged products. We've got a lot of uh, really good feedback on the whiskeys that we've produced. We are releasing our second round of The Scientist, which is a single malt whiskey. It won double gold at the SIP Awards down in the U.S., as well as a gold medal at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. And then the Bee Whisperer as well is our other whiskey that we do that is infused with some fermented, distilled, and barrel-aged honey product as well. And that one was recently called out in Forbes magazine for the best craft Canadian whiskey of 2022. Awesome. So award-winning. And you guys have a really cool new place that you're opening up in the Curry Barracks area down in southwest Calgary. Tell us about that. Yeah, so our new location is the historic D4 Stables building built in 1936 in the Curry Barracks there. So we were able to acquire that building and the land and we're restoring that heritage site. And inside that building will be housed our distillery, a craft brewery at the far end, and in the middle, a collaboratively run restaurant between the brewery and distillery. It'll have a big outdoor patio seating over 120 folks. And we're also developing a tourism guest experience wing there where folks can learn how to make gin and learn a little bit about beekeeping. So you can come down, you can have cocktails on the patio, you can do an informational class, you can take tours, and you can enjoy locally handcrafted cocktails and beers. Highly recommend it. Can't wait to see the new place when you open up. Burwood Distillery. Check it out, everybody. The drinks are fantastic. The people behind the brand just as awesome. Thank you so much, Jordan. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much today. Cheers. Jordan. Uh, Yvonne and uh, Jen did great work. And mm-hmm. here's three like-minded spirits who came together. <laughs> I get and it. They got you covered yes. just in time for Father's Day. What a unique gift that they're offering up as well. Very cool. It's an old-fashioned whiskey kit. So it comes with a beautiful bottle of whiskey. They've got a, a, a burnable custom card that you can yeah. write Happy Father's Day on it. And then you burn it to get that smoke. It's really neat with an old-fashioned glass as well. It's a beautiful kit. Comes with uh, the sugar cubes and the uh, the bitters as well. Some garnish. Only fifty kits available, Andy. And uh, free delivery over ninety-nine dollars outside of Calgary. Free delivery within Calgary. All you have to do is go to their website for more details. BurwoodDistillery.ca. Beginning with the Greek tragedy Oedipus Rex, written by Sophocles 2,500 years ago, people have imagined the possibility of time travel. So is time travel possible, and why has the concept stood the test of time, despite it never becoming a reality? Joining us with some insight is Peter Watson, Emeritus Professor of Physics at Carleton University. Good morning to you, Professor. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for calling. Okay, so you penned an article for the conversation about the possibility of time travel, and what you wrote, why has this, why do you think that this concept has, has really kind of, it's stayed with us for so very long and, and people are just so overly intrigued with it? Well, the, the, the curious thing is, I mean, I think we 
suspect that it's impossible, but it's not impossible in the way a lot of other things are impossible. For example, we can't imagine a square circle. It doesn't make sense. But we can imagine time travel. Um, that's part of it. But the other part of it is simply it's such fun playing games with time travel. So what does it get down to, Peter? Is it a case that it is absolutely not possible, or is it limited by our current technology? So that's what I tried to answer in the article, because you can find arguments both sides, and most people will tell you it's not possible. But in fact, when you look at these arguments in any sort of detail, you find, well, they they really aren't correct. Um, And we don't know whether it's possible. And the reason we don't know whether it's possible or not is because we don't understand time. Fascinating. Okay, a little bit mind-bending, too. Are there some examples of time travel paradoxes that, that, you know, maybe are are making people scratch their heads and think, well, maybe it is possible then? Okay, so the standard ones, the so-called grandfather paradox. You know, you, you invent a time machine, you go back in time, you kill your grandfather, so your father is not conceived, so you are not conceived, so you can't invent a time machine, so you don't exist, but then you couldn't have murdered your father. So you can't, logically, you can't both exist and not exist. Wow, very interesting. So, so, let's, <laughs> so let's talk about this. Let's use another example, Peter, and that is we have not had an example of a, a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, if you will, Yeti, uh, a real-world example, yet people believe in it. Uh, when it comes to time travel, would we not have examples of somebody from the future or from the past walking among us, and would there not be some kind of an evidence that we've had a time traveler with us? Okay, that, yeah, and, and that's one of the other paradoxes, uh, the, the where are they paradox. If we could time travel, the place would be lousy with people from uh, 2050. But um, I think there are two ways out of that. One is to say, is a trivial way to say we don't live in a very interesting time. Um, but, but the other is that um, if you, it assumes you have free will and it assumes you could go back and change the past. That's the standard way of thinking about time travel. If neither of those are true, then it doesn't matter whether we're surrounded by people from the future. They can't affect us in any way. Peter, are people researching time travel as we speak? Not as such. P- uh, there are a couple of people I know who are trying to build time machines. But I, I, I mean, I think the more useful thing is to try and understand time. I'll give you an example of what we don't understand, because it's, it's such a, a, a stupid example. Most people don't even think of it. <laughs> you may well be drinking a cup of coffee now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drinking a cup of water now. Where does this now come from? Ooh. Well, when you say, where does this now come from, Peter, it makes me think, and you mentioned uh, people are actively trying to build time machines. Are we talking about physically our uh, body, uh, like human bones and flesh traveling, or would this be more of a mind time travel? Because now is in my mind as now is in your mind. I, I'll, I'll go for either of those two. I mean, you, you started off with that quote from Oedipus Rex, Oedipus Rex is someone who's told an awful lot about the future, and it doesn't do him a damn piece of good. (laughs) Mind time travel is actually quite an old idea. You can track it through a lot of old works. Physical time travel, I don't think, came in until about 120 years ago. 
I don't know if this conversation does us a damn bit of good either, but it's a fascinating one, and it's one that we'll never, ever stop talking about. Thank you so much for your time, Professor. Appreciate it. Okay, good to talk to you. And to you as well, Peter Watson, Emeritus Professor of Physics at Carleton University. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.